Hello. Welcome to our haunted home. Hello. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Gracie. And we're your spooky neighbors. Welcome back, everybody, to Hallow Week. We are very excited. I have been eyeing this case for a very long time, ever since one of our good friends, Jenna, suggested it. Shout out to Jenna. Shout out to Jenna. Thank you. Uh, So Jenna was living in Monroe at the time and was actually invited to this party that we're talking about today. Whoa, she was so close to this. Very close. But knowing Jenna, she was just like, "Uh, no, there's going to be a lot of people there. I'm going to stay home. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, That that just blows my mind how small of a world this is. That is pretty wild. I'm kind of glad that she didn't go. Yeah. After what happened now, like, come to our Halloween party because there will Not be no... Not you're a murderer. Get the fuck out. No, I meant Jenna. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Come to our Halloween party, Jenna. <laughs> Jenna, don't but go Jenna, to that But Jenna, if you're a murderer, no. <laughs> <laughs> come to ours instead where you're safe <laughs> with your spooky neighbors. <laughs> uh, anyways, this case was huge and was also aired on Dateline. Whoa. Not too long ago. I think it was like 2018. Really? Yeah. When did it when did it happen? Uh this case it happened in 2014. Okay. So Halloween 2014 or right around that time. So, we have a lot of ground to cover, so we're just going to dive right in. Chelsea was born and raised in a small farming town called Maybe Michigan. M- maybe Michigan? Maybe it was Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Which has a population of maybe <laughs> 560 people um, maybe 600 now oh boy there that is uh that's a small town yeah. yeah very small town teeny tiny it is also referred to as the best little town in michigan oh super cute the best little tiny maybe town maybe maybe it's cute maybe not yeah. Utah. yeah i don't know maybe it's the best little tiny town well it is also a place where everybody knew each other and just to give you an idea It's such a tight-knit community that on Friday night, seemingly everyone gathered at this place called the Little Brown Jug, which has a daily special of hand-breaded walleye, lake perch, and Alaskan Pollock. Interesting. I mean, I can see why everybody knows everybody. It's not like you have a choice. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) my family lives in like a small town like that of, I don't know, there's not a lot going on out there. And I'm like, are you guys okay? Like... (laughs) There's not a lot of going on out here. And they're like, yeah, there's deer and there's wildlife deer. and friends. You know, some people really love that. Yeah, what my parents thrive in it. Yeah. That's and awesome. these people thrive in it, too. They That's know everyone. Right. They're friends. and Get it, guys. Just a nice little community. And your little brown jug um, meeting place. Yeah. Bar. It looks yeah. sounds like a bar restaurant. It does. Yeah. As for Chelsea and her family, she was the youngest of five children and was the only one of her siblings still living at home. At the time, Chelsea was 22 and was planning on attending Monroe Community College to get a degree in culinary. In the meantime, she was working at the restaurant called Olga's Kitchen with her best friend, Becky. They had an Olga's Kitchen in a town of 500 people? So this is out in Monroe. So I think it's about... I think it's about 12 miles from... A bigger town, maybe? Yes. Okay. So it's in Monroe. Big enough to have an Olga's Kitchen. Well... Okay, so Monroe County. So there's Monroe County, and then there's like, you know, tiny towns of that county. Oh, yeah. So then Monroe. So then when you're in Monroe, that's where she worked at. She worked at the Monroe Mall. There's a mall. Okay, that makes sense. And then so otherwise, that'd be amazing. I just, I miss Olga's. We used to have one here, and the snackers. These little pita breaded spiced things that are just yummy and delicious. It's been a long time. (laughs) You're bringing me back. Yeah, so bringing it back to the spirit of Halloween. This place is where they just talked about, they just talked endlessly about this Halloween party that was going to happen. Hyping it up. They they were hyping it up, and they were doing this since, like, the summer, too. (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) Oh, yes, this whole story is super relatable. I mean, I talk about Halloween all year long, so I get it. So Chelsea was planning on going as Poison Ivy from the Batman series and had been working. I know. I know. Oh, my God. I know. You were Poison Ivy for Halloween, too. I was Poison Ivy for my first Halloween party that I hosted. Oh. 
It was a it was a really amazing costume, not gonna lie. It was so good. <laughs> that was such a good costume. Yeah, so she had been working on her costume throughout the summer, and dude, her costume is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> so you could tell that she put so much love and time into it. Basically, it was a leaf green bodysuit or a leotard, and she sewed an incredible amount of fake ivy leaves into the fabric, and the leaves are so intricately placed. It's gorgeous, and it looks like they're just cascading everywhere. Like, it looks like a forest, oh, pretty much. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I just saw a picture of it, and it is just, like, so intricate. It's a, it's incredible. She put a lot of work into that. I can tell. Each leaf. That is a lot to Every sew. single one. There's got to be hundreds of them. Yeah, hundreds. There, there's got to be. We'll post a picture of it. It's It's incredible. So she wore this with a pair of green tights, red Mary Jane styled shoes from American Eagle. And to pull the whole look together, she wore a violet to red ombre wig with lipstick to match. Okay, I'm just adding in very vibrant details because they're important later. I am. Wow, that is like so close to the... (laughs) That's amazing because that's almost to a T what my costume looked like at the time. Did you say this was 2014? Yeah. That was the same year. What? That was the same year that I was Poison Ivy. This is, I'm, I'm getting like. <laughs> That's amazing. She was doing uh, it. Oh, she was, also, she was but so her cool. wig was better than mine. I didn't have a wig. <laughs> it was <Dude>. super cute. <laughs> yeah, dudes, we will post all these pictures for you so you can see like the whole thing and everything. Because there's a lot. There's a lot. And we're going to get to the whole lots. It's a, it's a rough case. It's a rough one. Okay. This is the fun part. I was enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just letting it up in the best moment. While the costumes. The costumes, the costumes are so. Yes. Oh, I love them. And she like, <laughs> and she also spent like weeks into the summer making it too. So she was preparing yes. forever, forever. Girl, I feel uh, so connected to this. Just to that part with. Yes. Oh my god. I know. I knew you would. I knew that this was a perfectly imperfect and horrible episode to air for Halloween. Wonderful. So finally the time had come and Chelsea hoped to win a prize for best costume at the party. Hell yeah, she was going for it. She was because this wasn't just any Halloween party. It was Big Mike's annual Halloween bash, which he held every year in a giant cornfield outside his farmhouse. And Big Mike has been having these parties for a long time time. All right, Big Mike. For a long time, on and off since high school. He put a lot of thought into pre-planning, and for his party scheduled for October 25th, 2014, he had 15 guys running security for him, as well as organized parking for about 350 people, which was usually about the turnout each year. Wow, that's massive. Yeah, keep that number in mind. 350 people was what he was planning for. Holy shit. But this year was the biggest it had ever been. Like, ever. Wow. Okay? So <laughs> so eight heavy metal bands were scheduled to play. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's like... <laughs> oh, he did go all out. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, including Big Mike's band called Pickaxe Preacher, which he was a <laughs> vocalist for. This party That's had a amazing. stage... Fireball twirling. What? I'm so fucking down for fireball twirling. Sign me up. (laughs) Oh, this party definitely. Dude, it was wild. (laughs) We didn't even go. (laughs) And we're just like, that was a wild party, man. I'm jealous. My party was not that cool. (laughs) Someday we will have fireball twirling. Yes. Because someday I would like to learn how to fire hula hoop. And that has been on my list for over a year now. You are going to do it. Tabbed. Okay. Yeah, there's also a 40-foot bonfire and prizes for costumes. Shoot. Word got out, and somewhere between 800 to 1,000 people showed up. I'm, I have home alone face right now. 800 to 1,000 <laughs> people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, what? Like, does that many, do that many people <laughs> exist in Monroe County? <laughs> No, the word just got out and they were and everyone was just like, shit, let's Mm -hmm. go to this party. This sounds wild. It's in a cornfield. Wow. Well, Jenna was right. That's too many people. Yeah. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Good call, Jenna. Yeah. Social anxiety would not have handled that well at all. 
So, yeah, there were so many people there that people started parking in the street while others were just being turned away. And I was reading the Facebook page and people were just like, let me in. Like, hello, I'm here. Wow. And they're just like, dude, no, we have so many people. Sorry. Chelsea was driven to the party by Becky because she didn't drive. She didn't have a driver's license or a car for that matter, which, I mean, just works for some people. Um, I have a question. Yeah. How old was she? She was 22 at this time. All right, girl. And also, um, her costume didn't have pockets because it's a leotard, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, you put stuff in your boobs. That's what I always do. Yeah. I always I always do. <laughs> <laughs> or if there's, uh, if I don't have, I usually wear shorts with pockets underneath. I guess that would be hard if it was like um, a strapless leotard. Or did it have yeah. straps? Uh, it had straps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could just tuck stuff into your boob pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, it's just like an ongoing struggle to be a female and not have pockets for things. Yeah. So I can understand this next part because she left her phone and her purse with her friend Becky in Becky's car. Okay. Which I feel like I just do that shit all the time. I'm just like, hey, Steph, can you hold my (laughs) – you can can vouch for me on this. Oh, yeah, all the time. Can can you hold my phone? Can Can I put this in your purse? Hey, Steph, can you hold this? Can you hold this? Because I don't have any pockets. <laughs> I mean, when you have a super cute Halloween costume like that, like, I mean, I'm not going to have pockets for my Halloween costume, which oh, no, is no. Mothman. Yeah, me either. But it's fine because we're at our own house. Yeah, it's it's at our own house. But this is a huge party out in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah, and no, I'd probably leave my stuff like, in the car, too. Yeah, I'd either leave my stuff in the car or make a cute little leaf bag to go along the side. Ooh, that's a fun creative idea. I love that. Yeah. Just finding like a way of like, how can I still be poison ivy, but poison ivy with like a a leaf bag? And that's the same thing when you're growing up in the Midwest as well, because it's like, you're a something for Halloween. But no, you're all her poison pouch. Her poison pouch. Okay. (laughs) No, there's a really good detail that I'm about to like share with you too. But in the Midwest, you know, you're not Spider-Man for Halloween. You're Spider-Man with a jacket. And that's the same yeah. thing when you don't have pockets as a lady. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> it's always way too cold. Like, you need something. <laughs> but what she did bring inside was a gallon jug of wine that was labeled poison on the front. Yes. So, I mean, like, poison pouch, but she called that her poison. <laughs> she that had so, the poison. So she has that creativity. Like, she has that creative level. Ooh, I wonder if she went to the level. So one thing that I did um, was watch the movies beforehand and, and adopted the the voice style of Uma Thurman. Ah. Uh, so I go around saying, it's poison. Poison ivy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man. So (laughs) Chelsea and Becky met up with their friend Penny, and they all had a blast. Uh, Mike had set up these huge tents for the party where all the bands were playing. Big Mike and his band were dressed up as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I love that. (laughs) And were the last on stage. (laughs) After all the bands played, the bonfire started around midnight. Chelsea, Becky, and Penny decided to walk over there because this bonfire was raging, like flames 15 to 20 feet high. Wow. And this was when Chelsea bumped the bridge of her nose on one of the tent poles just a little bit after midnight. And it's important to note that her nose was not bleeding. There were sources that said it was like bleeding profusely, Hmm. but no, it was just scratched. And she held onto her nose because it hurt really bad. And one of her friends brushed it off and thought it was funny because Chelsea's just clumsy like that. <laughs> you and I, we run in this shit all the time. Like, uh-huh. it's, I, I would laugh at you too. You would laugh at me. Like, yep. you know, they were just saying like, ha, she just does that. But Chelsea was done. She wanted to go home. And she was just like, I, I just want to go home. I bumped my nose and it hurts really bad. And, yep. you know. Okay, I'm done. Had a lot of fun. It's time to go. It's I great. mean, like, midnight. Seems like a good time to wrap things up. It does, but her friends weren't ready to leave yet, so Penny just kept an eye on her, told her to drink a little bit more to, like, you know, just some drunk logic to get rid of the hurting of the nose. I see. And told Chelsea that everything was going to be okay, and after that, Chelsea just went back and was enjoying the party. Earlier that night, Chelsea asked Penny for a ride home, and it was agreed upon that Penny was going to give Chelsea a ride home. Okay. 
However, there was a lot of people there, and it was super easy to get split up from your group of people. You know, 800 to 1,000, it's it's like a yeah. It's like a music festival is what it sounds like. Yeah. So sometime around 1 a.m., Chelsea and her friends lost sight of each other. Penny had to wake up extremely early the next morning to drive her sister to work at 6 a.m., so the clock was just ticking, and I imagine she's just sitting there like, well, if I leave now, I can get five hours of sleep or less. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is fine. But she couldn't find Chelsea anywhere. And, of course, Chelsea didn't have her phone on her. And in that moment, Penny had to make that call. This is like the point where I felt so bad watching the Dateline episode of her friends talking about this because they both felt so guilty and, like, so fuck. Like, we could have done something to prevent this, Ooh. which we'll get into in just, like, a tiny bit. But, oh, like, you know, just having to make that call at that moment in time she figured that Chelsea knew a few people at the party and figured that Chelsea could probably get a ride with one of them. So this is a moment of pure anxiety because, um, yeah, Becky had Chelsea's phone and purse and may not have had Penny's phone number to call Penny and just to confirm, like, hey, is Chelsea with you? So because she didn't see the two of them, she just assumed or just thought they're not here. They left and I want to go home too. So she left and probably just assumed that Chelsea was with Penny at that time because that's that's what oh, she said. So Becky left. Penny didn't leave. Yeah. So she drove in with Becky and then was going to leave with Penny. Okay. But Becky still had her purse and her phone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then someone at the party later said that they saw Chelsea alone in the dark around 3 a.m. crying. She said that she had been abandoned and needed a ride home. Oh, no. So, yeah, in this moment, Chelsea got completely lost from, like, the both of them. And then there's just, like, this whole thing of miscommunication and just thinking that, like, you know, she was good. But then there's some parts that get really sketch. And it's one of those things, like, I feel so, so bad for every single part of this because we can say that something... Should be different, but does it change what happened? It doesn't change what happened. And they already feel really bad about all these things. Yeah. And that guilt that's eating away at them, like, that that's horrible. That wow. sucks. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> so when did Penny leave? So she left right around uh, 1 a.m. Okay. 1 a.m. Because, yeah, her sister had to go to work the next morning at 6. Okay, so Penny left because she had to go super early, like be up. And, yeah. and then Becky left because she probably couldn't find anyone? Yeah, and just figured that Chelsea went home with Penny. Okay. So the next morning, Becky called Chelsea's house to let her know, hey, I have your phone and purse. Uh, come swing by whenever. Hours pass, and Becky figured that Chelsea had crashed at Penny's house or another friend's house and was just sleeping off the hangover. More hours pass, and Becky receives a Facebook message from Chelsea's sister who is letting her know that Chelsea had not come home at all. Ooh. Monday came around, and there was still no word from Chelsea. Her family ended up contacting the police, calling her friends, and Chelsea's sister got in contact with Big Mike, who hosted the party, to see if he knew anything. And Mike didn't know who Chelsea was, but received dozens of text messages that morning asking if he knew what might have happened to her. Hmm. He agreed to look around the farm field to see if maybe she passed out or got hurt or something. A couple of miles into Mike's search in the fields, his dog's foot got caught in a fox trap and he hurt his paw. Oh my gosh. Mike carried his pup back to the house only to be greeted by Chelsea's mom, Leanda, with a chilly reception, <laughs> and she demanded the right to search his property. Big Mike explained that he needed to take his dog to the vet because he was hurt and bleeding, and... And maybe also warn them there might be some traps out there and it could be dangerous. You know what? That probably would have been a good idea, but he was just like, have at it. Yeah. Search away. <laughs> like, yeah. He said that, like, you are free to search while I'm gone. My dog got hurt by a trap. So I'm sure that they assumed that there was something out there. Yeah. When he returned home from the vet, he found the Bruck family was already searching his property along with 15 other people, and they were planning to stay until Chelsea was found no matter what. And they were fully invested into it. Like, they had set up tents, a generator, and they had some porta potties. Oh, and they wow. just set this up as like a base camp. Yeah, they were going all out. Oh my gosh, and she hasn't turned up. Yeah. I can just imagine the anxiety just rising so intensely, like from moment to moment through this whole day. Oh. 
Oh, yeah. And that's when Big Mike was like, oh, damn, this is actually serious. Big Mike said that the family didn't even ask him about setting up all this extra stuff. They just did it. He just came and this was all happening. So he said, like, you can search, but you can't set up camp on my but property. They, but like, they just okay. did. Okay. <laughs> yep. I don't imagine that there's a whole lot of protesting that he can do at that point. Yeah. I mean, since he just had a whole bunch of tents set up and. Exactly. And he also talked to his, his attorney and was like, so this is happening. What should I do? And his attorney said that he didn't have to let them stay there and search. But Big Mike felt that they were kind of looking at him funny you know, like with that chilly greeting, like, yeah, this was your house, which I mean, like my aunt would totally do the same thing. She would be oh, like, yeah. where is my daughter, my niece? Anywhere. I mean, yeah. and since it's just like a farm out in the middle of nowhere, there's That's no maternal like, instinct. Like any mother, like, oh, yeah, would just be like, absolutely. <laughs> Where's my baby? <laughs> yeah. So he just decided like, OK, they could just just do whatever. And during the search, deputies also came out on ATVs and searched all of the surrounding fields, but found nothing. So at this point, Big Mike quickly became the main focus of suspicion. Chelsea's mom even confronted Mike and accused him of having her somewhere, asking him if Chelsea was being held hostage in his basement or trailer. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then you got to look at all avenues. Yeah, you do. Yeah. At that point, I feel like he would... I feel like it would be good for Mike to be like an open book if he truly exactly. had nothing to do with exactly. it, which I'm assuming he didn't. It doesn't sound like he yeah, is. Yeah, there will be more into this case, like a little bit about that too, yeah. like about Mike's stance on things Uh huh. because there's like a huge interview that he also did with this stuff too. Okay. So on Wednesday, news outlets also started picking up the story. Chelsea's family told reporters that they also believed that he was responsible for Chelsea's disappearance. Okay. Their suspicions were confirmed when Big Mike refused to allow police to search his home. Oh. He also refused to take a polygraph or provide a DNA sample. However, when the police got a warrant and forced their way in, they found nothing of interest. Uh, Big Mike said that in the weeks after Chelsea's initial disappearance, random people were constantly coming onto his property to look for Chelsea. Some even tried breaking into his house. And even more fucked up... There were many times he woke up in the middle of the night to find drones hovering outside his windows, peeking inside. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah, because, I I mean, mean, like, this was a fucking huge case. It was a big deal, and everyone was involved. This whole town, it sounds like they were just coming out at Mike's house with pitchforks, like, where is she? And he's just like, I don't know. He just looked like this big metal dude, because, I mean, he was in a metal band. He was just—and, you know— a lot of times, like, yeah, yeah, they're like the biggest teddy bears of oh, like, totally. <laughs> I'm just like, listen, I have no idea. I was just throwing a party and this happened. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, like at this point, like he's the only suspect because it was at his house. Like he is the only name or person to like put attention on. Uh-huh. Yeah. For the investigation, they put up a bunch of missing posters and in the media, and they asked for people to be on the lookout for a girl in a poison ivy costume. On the flip side, they were also asking, like, okay, well, if she's not in costume, she is a five foot seven blonde, 22-year-old girl, um, average build with an anchor tattoo behind her right ear. And friends and family were incredibly diligent and active in the search for Chelsea. Penny, who went with her to the party, posted missing flyers on Facebook, and at night after her kids went to bed, she went out at night and helped the search parties. Friends and family were doing all they could. There were vigils, tip lines, rewards, posting everywhere they could, including the Facebook event page, to the party. The police were incredibly active in the search, but came across one huge problem. Hmm. How to investigate 800-plus attendees of a party who were all in costume and all had been drinking. Ooh, yeah, that's tricky. And they had to start somewhere. So they started with Chelsea's family and got permission to search some of her belongings to get to really get an idea of who Chelsea was as a person. And she was the youngest of five siblings, the baby of the family, Aww. still lived at home, hasn't left the nest yet, and she was very responsible, kind-hearted, Friends described her as wholesome and wonderful to be around. She was outgoing, boisterous, loved musicals, playing Final Fantasy VIII. I know I'm 
I'm like, <laughs> I'm <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> I'm, uh, I love Final Fantasy. <laughs> and listening to the band Queen. <gasps> oh, God. I know. Girl for my own soul. <sighs> she had no known enemies, but one thing that stuck out to them was the fact that she didn't drive. So they dug into her past relationships and love interests and looked into each of them thoroughly. Their main question was, did any of these guys go to the party? Mm-hmm. And none of them did. So their next question, did any of these guys pick her up? Did they have someone else pick her up? They searched their homes, their cell phones, asked what they knew about Chelsea. They even got articles of clothing from them just to see if they could find DNA, a hair, a fiber, or anything. Wow. Then the police came into contact with six different people who came forward and said Chelsea borrowed their phones and tried to make calls to her friends. She did get a hold of Penny, but Penny was too drunk to go back out and thought she was being responsible by staying at home, which she said was the biggest regret considering that Chelsea reached out a second time. The witnesses report last seeing Chelsea by the fire, complaining she was cold and had no friends who could give her a ride. Then, a few days later, after the party, a woman called in and said her son was there and might have seen something important. Hmm. This man came forward and told police he saw Chelsea. He remembered her distinctively because he made a joke about being allergic to poison ivy. Oh, God. <laughs> in reference to her costume. Of course. And then he gave the police what would be their biggest lead in the case. The witness described seeing a man almost sort of hovering over Chelsea. He was seen comforting her, talking with her, and in turn, Chelsea seemed comfortable around this man as if she knew him and vice versa. But then the two disappeared into the dark, the witness recalled. Okay. The witness was able to help police produce a sketch of the man who'd left with Chelsea. The sketch was immediately released to the public to help in the search for this man. The police got flooded with tips, people claiming they saw this guy. But here's the thing. The man was described as tall, slender, swoopy hair, like that guy from that one band. Oh my god, the emo black, kid? <laughs> with black-rimmed glasses. And the sketch showed exactly just that. Basically a hipster <laughs> or the bassist of any pop-punk or emo band. I'm an emo kid, non-conforming as can be. You'd be non-conforming too if you looked just like me. <laughs> <laughs> And everybody, like, in that era fucking looked like that guy, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Um, let me just show you a sketch really quick. So we're going to do, like, a quick pause. I'm trying to... He looks like Pete Wentz. So there you have it from Steph. Um, yep, <laughs> um, it's, it's Pete Wentz. Yeah, we're absolutely <laughs> posting all <of> these treasures. <laughs> I'm sorry. It really wasn't. It just looks like Pete Wentz. <laughs> um, yeah, it also looks like the lead singer from Fall Out Boy and literally every... That's other. Pete Wentz. Patrick Stump. The drummer, the bassist, he looks like the whole band. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the sketch generated hundreds of tips, but none of them amounted to anything. It seems like this tip might have been inaccurate because the actual killer ended up looking nothing like the sketch. Wow. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. Suddenly, there is a break in the case. A 19-year-old man named Harlan Bird came forward and told police that he'd seen a group of men harassing Chelsea in the parking lot at the party. These guys were pushing her, shoving her. She tried crying out for help, but that's when Harlan intervened and scared the guys off. He helped Chelsea up off the ground, and that's when he got blood on his shirt. Harlan didn't want to leave her there in case the guys came back. Wait, is this the same guy that saw her at the fire? No. Okay. Different guy. There's like, this confused me too because there's a lot of people there. Okay. And I think I heard on Dateline that in the end that this case generated... It was like 1,037 or like 1,132 tips. It was some weird number like that. Whoa. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So this is just one of the many. One of them. Okay. So different guy sees her in the parking lot. Yep. And like stands up for her. Way to go, guy. <laughs> okay. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. Uh, <sighs> so Harlan didn't want to leave her there in case the guys came back, but also didn't want to stay because Chelsea was injured, bleeding, and in need of help. He decided to put her into a red four-door car and told her to sit still while he went to get some help. 
he didn't know who the car belonged to, but in that moment, it was just a fight or flight response. He was like, okay, well, this is safer than where you were there. So here you go. You can sit there, hang tight. I'll be back in like 10, 15 minutes, something like that. I'm just going to find help. Okay. Yeah. He went back to the party and asked if there was anyone there who knew her. And he was there for, yeah, about five, 15 minutes and walked back to find that Chelsea and the car were gone. Oh. The detectives knew that Chelsea bumped her nose, so when they started asking Harlan questions about the blood on his shirt, they started getting a bad vibe about this guy. Harlan's story wasn't matching up. He said it was all over his shirt, but then there's just a few spots on his right shoulder where she was leaning her head. Hmm. The police asked Harlan if he could give them the shirt for testing, and conveniently, at that moment... Harlan said, yes, there was blood on the shirt, but the shirt was being washed by his fiance. Like at that very moment, just like it's being washed right now. That's like, sus. <laughs> like, yeah, there's blood on the shirt. My fiance is washing it. And <laughs> basically the police said, hey, can we test this? And he was like, oh, um, can you still get DNA if it has been washed? No. Oh. <laughs> and... It was also super weird because he claimed she had a bloody nose, but then he didn't see a bloody nose, but assumed she had one because of the blood on his shirt. So basically, remember when she just had bumped her nose and it was a scratch? Mm -hmm. Then the police, they do these like really cool tactics where they just add like, yeah, like she had a bloody nose. She bumped her nose on like a tent pole. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's like she had a bloody nose. So then they realize there are some parts of the story that weren't matching up. Ooh, he sounds like he's lying. So then that's when the detectives were just like hammering on these questions. And they said, did you take that girl? No. Did you have sex with that girl? No. Did you rape her? No. Did you kill her? No. Through more questioning, the police found his story wasn't making sense at all. That's when they dropped the question, did you even see Chelsea? Do you know her? And eventually they were able to get Harlan to admit that he'd made up the whole story. He just wanted to look like a hero for helping the police solve a missing person case, even though he had no actual relevant information. And yes, Steph, you fell for it. (sighs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This is so frustrating. This this is a very frustrating case. I like literally built this to frustrate you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Gracie. You're welcome. I'm just giving you another heads up before you fall (laughs) down that, like, (laughs) believing me again. But who knows? It might be the actual truth. I know. (laughs) You're like, what a good guy. And I'm like, actually, (laughs) fuck this guy. (laughs) Wow. Fuck you, Harlan. (sighs) But they just kept him as like a person in mind. They're like, you know, we're we're keeping an we're keeping our eye on you. And a week after her disappearance, there was a huge prayer vigil with her family that were all still clinging to the hope that she was going to return home okay. Her mom even said to the cameras, quote, it's not a hope, it's a reality. They posted flyers, posters, and purple ribbons, which was her favorite color, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And her friend Penny was also going above and beyond doing anything she could with trying to find her missing friend. Her worst fear was that Chelsea had been kidnapped by sex traffickers that night, which isn't a very far off thing to think. Monroe County is about 30 minutes north of Toledo, Ohio, where sex trafficking is extremely prevalent. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes through that ring from like Toledo, Ohio to Detroit. And also, this is a very huge time as well in 2014. I don't know if you remember it, but there is moments in time where it it was just fucking huge back then. It was big. It still still is now, Uh but it was like at its peak because people, it was just all over the news. Watch out for little tiny flags or things on your car. And I remember my parents were extra on edge, like of, you know, just being like a freshman, sophomore in college, and they're just like, look for things on your car. And that was what her friend went and thought too. And so she did this incredibly brave and heroic and also kind of stupid thing where she went out to Toledo, Ohio, the nights that you know, prostitutes were working, and she was handing out flyers saying, have you seen this girl? Oh, wow. She was was really going for it. 
Yeah, she felt so bad about the whole thing. And when asked in an interview, that is really dangerous. You put your life at risk by doing that. And she said, I can't just sit at home doing nothing and just being like, you know, everyone else in this situation, just hoping for the best, like I need to help. So she was really hoping that by handing out flyers out in Toledo, Ohio, that someone would notice her there. Okay. If she was being prostituted. And then Christmas passed and there were still no more signs. There weren't any signs of Chelsea. Any leads, any tips. Oof. Until about a week or so into the new year. A woman named Carrie Carr, who lived in Toledo, Ohio, called the police with a seemingly valuable tip. On the phone, she sounded terrified. She was saying that she was certain that her ex-boyfriend was responsible for the murder of Chelsea Brooke. And allegedly, this ex had told Carrie that he kidnapped Chelsea, killed her, and disposed of her body in a cemetery. Oh, my God. Carrie emphasized that she was sure her ex-boyfriend would try to kill her if he found out that she went to the police. She told the police that this ex-boyfriend threatened her with a knife, which she claimed was the same one he used to kill Chelsea. In the interview, she was very nervous, on edge, and told the police they basically had to arrest him right then and there because if he were to be released, her life and her child's life would be in danger because her ex-boyfriend lived on the same street as her. So they brought the boyfriend in for questioning, and almost immediately, before anything was even mentioned, this guy said that Carrie was trying to frame him. The ex-boyfriend told police that they were having some problems, and to get back at him, Carrie tried to get him arrested. They brought Carrie back in for a talk, and she admitted that she made it all up, and she was also arrested for lying to to the police. Wow. What the hell? Isn't this some bullshit here? That is awful. Like, who, like, who, I just want to say, who are all these assholes coming forward? And Jeez, trying to get something mm, out of this, like, what has happened to this poor girl? Yeah. For their own personal gain? Yeah, and notoriety. Like, get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. Go home. So, finally... Sometime in March 2015, a woman named Cheryl called in. She found something at the edge of her property, about 2.3 miles from Big Mike's party. She was cleaning up a winter's worth of debris left on the country road, just like every other spring. She found some weird stuff there in the past years, like cameras hanging from trees with discards in them, car radios, speakers, cases of booze, broken booze bottles, so it wasn't out of the ordinary to clean this shit up. Okay. And this year, she was just following her usual routine along the tree line, around the outskirts of her property, just doing a little loop. And that is when she noticed something. A red leather flat, kind of like a Mary Jane type shoe from American Eagle. Huh. That mm-hmm. that reminds me of uh, something. like Definitely something. Chelsea's costume, perhaps? Yes, maybe a little bit. So Cheryl threw it into the trash bag and carried on with cleaning up debris. And later that night, her husband came home and asked what she found this time. And she said, yeah, I mostly found trash except for the shoe. Immediately, he put two and two together and was like, do you think it's her shoe? Like the one that Chelsea Brooke was wearing? And Cheryl said that her property and the surrounding areas were thoroughly searched. There was no way that the search teams could have missed something like this. But she called the Monroe County Sheriff's Office anyway, and someone came by to pick up the shoe. The next day, a detective sent a photo of the shoe to Chelsea's mom, and her mother and family members confirmed that, yes, this was definitely Chelsea's shoe. So this is wild. The shoe that Cheryl found was tip number 623. Wow. At this point, this was all they had. 623 of tips. Like, these poor detectives. They were trying so fucking hard in this case, and they did a stellar job. This is like a marathon here. We're Uh still running to find the other shoe and her costume and Chelsea. Yes. Okay. So at this point, it's five months after she disappeared, and all they have is a shoe. And then, on April 5th, 2015, a guy named Eric was trying to make some quick cash by selling some scrap metal. So he started searching this huge abandoned building about 10 miles away from Big Mike's, and he saw this weird-looking plant thing. It definitely looked like a fake plant, but he wasn't really sure because it was all bunched up. 
He pulled it out and saw that there were fake leaves sewn onto it, along with a violet-red ombre wig. Huh. The guy and his friend contemplated on keeping it because it looked cool and they realized it was a poison ivy costume. But then they set it back down and continued looking for scrap metal. Eric didn't really think much of it until a week later while he was at work and saw a missing poster with Chelsea Brooke wearing that same Poison Ivy costume. Yikes. And he knew he had to report it, but he was afraid to say something because it looked super bad on his part because he touched it (laughs) and didn't call it in at that moment. So he told his sister and his sister's like, dude, you have got to report this or I'm going to report it for you. And that looks so much worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so finally, he just ended up, like, biting the bullet. He reported it. And ominously, when the police, like, went to that abandoned building and they picked everything up, they found the costume and discovered that it had been ripped at the straps and the crotch. Ooh. Ooh, I hate it. I yeah. hate it. Dangerous territory, everybody. Like, trigger warnings. So, yeah. They sent it into the DNA lab for tests. And while doing some more digging, the detectives discovered an interesting coincidence. Harlan Bird. Remember that guy who wanted to be a hero? Oh, that motherfucker. Yeah, that bitch. He lived about 100 to 200 yards away from this abandoned building. Hmm. Where the costume was found. Okay. Yeah, like you could pretty much see his house from that building. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. So the first thing that they did were, they are just like, hello, Harlan, (laughs) we would like to speak to you again. Because he was super suspicious, because for one, he inserted himself into this case in the first place, just to look like a hero. And for two, the costume was found, like, right across the street from his house. Like, come on, man. Okay, wow, where the fuck is this going? This time, when they pulled Harlan in for questioning, he brought an attorney with him. Uh Uh-huh. Harlan admitted he lied before, but said he hadn't killed Chelsea. He agreed to take a polygraph and DNA sample. He passed, which eliminated him as a suspect. All right. Although we know that polygraphs are not 100% accurate. Yes. So that's why I'm saying it's frustrating for everybody right now. Yeah. It's frustrating for me too right now. I'm I'm starting to feel like maybe he did have something to do with it. Dude, it sure seems like that. Oh my God. On April 24th, 2015... About seven miles from Big Mike's, a dump truck pulled up to a construction site. A man was building his dream home. He needed a fill for a low spot on his property. But as the driver backed up on the soil, still wet from the springtime, the truck got stuck in the mud. So the guy walked out to assess the situation and immediately called 911 because he found a dead body. At this point, it's been six months since Chelsea went missing. So this body that has been found is badly decomposed. It's pretty much skeletal, except for there's still, like, some skin in some areas. And there's still blonde hair that's attached to the skull, Mm. which is just like Chelsea's. Blonde hair. Yeah. And upon investigation, the police found that the body had been covered up with a big log, like, in the chest and, like, a bunch of, like, small logs everywhere else and a bunch of branches. So this had been done deliberately. Oh, so she was, like, buried under logs and brush. Yeah, so that's where they're just kind of like, okay, this is definitely a homicide now. Yeah. They also find, not far from the body, one single artificial ivy leaf. A single leaf? One single leaf. How far was this from where her costume was found? I'm not sure how far it was, but it was in, like, the general proximity. Like, so must have been very close because they're, like, there's the body, and then, like, I would assume it would probably be a couple of feet away. Wow. I know. I was curious about that question, too. Like, where, how far away was it? Our scrap metal scalper found the costume but not the body. Well, it was buried under all that stuff. Well, like, everything is just kind of, like, buried, like, in different areas. Okay. So there's, like, the shoe that's, like, about 2.3 miles away mm. from Big Mike's. So if we put Big Mike's farm as, like, you know, like, the point on the map, then we have 2.3 miles away. Then we have, like, a 3 miles away, a 7 miles away, and a 10 miles away. The 10 miles away being, like, where the costume was found, 7 miles where the body was found. Okay. 2.3 where the um shoe was found. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like whoever did this was like leaving little little crumbs. 
Yep, leaving little crumbs, but it took them forever to find this stuff. So at this point, they immediately told Chelsea's family because they didn't want the news to be the first to tell them. So they were just like, hey, we found a body. Like, it might be Chelsea's. Like, we don't know yet. Like, we still have to get that confirmed with a medical examiner. Mm -hmm. So the next day, a forensic anthropologist confirmed through dental records that the body was indeed Chelsea's. And the crazy thing is, is if the truck filled in that area with dirt where the truck never got stuck, her body never would have been found. Wow. Isn't that fucking oh crazy? Gosh. Like, what? What? Okay. At this point, they have a body. They have evidence. They have some people of interest at the top of their list, but they don't have her killer. So they managed to get a swab of a DNA sample off of Chelsea's costume, and the DNA was a mystery man. They entered it into the CODIS system, and there was no hit. Okay. And they compared this DNA with Eric and Harlan's DNA samples, and this cleared them both. All right. So now they were just on the hunt to find the matching DNA out of maybe 800-plus potential suspects at a Halloween party, but they had to start somewhere. So, of course, Big Mike was on the top of their list. But Big Mike wouldn't give it to them. What? Nope. And Big Mike, he just really didn't want his DNA floating around in some database because he was not a criminal. Well, wouldn't that, like, check you off? Yes, but at the same time, I do get where he's coming from. Personally, I would be like, can you just, like, rule out all of your other possibilities before you get my own DNA? But he I would be get... cleared if he knew he didn't do it. That would... would clear him. Yeah, I know. Like, this is where, like, I knew that you'd have a view and I would have a view here. Personally, I'm not a murderer. I don't do bad things. I'm not a criminal, but I don't want my DNA floating out into the world of all this stuff. And if that's the only way to prove it? Yeah. Eventually, I would say, like, if you run out of every other lead, I will do this super unwillingly and super salty about it. But, like, I will do it to clear my name and to help with this investigation. But, like, I'm just saying, like... I'm not a fucking murderer. And at this point, he was feeling like the same way. He was just over it. Like, he just wanted to move on. He was just... That is literally the way to do that, though. I know. I understand. (laughs) I understand that. But I also get where he's coming from. A month later, the medical examiner's office determined Chelsea's cause of death. This was blunt trauma to the face. Upon first glance, detectives could see immediately that her jaw had been broken. Upon further examination, the medical examiner noticed that there were injuries, like, everywhere. She had severe fractures to her jaw, nose, and her eye sockets. Like, there's several in her eye sockets. Ugh. Oh. Uh, That's bad. Yeah. Uh, It it makes me cringe to think about. I can't. I can't. I I don't want to think about her last moments of death, but here we are. This was not released to the public because they wanted to make absolutely sure that they found this monster before just, like, releasing, like, what had happened to her. They Mm -hmm. didn't want her family to know, so they didn't tell her family, and her family just held a private funeral for her. Okay. And then in September 2015, the man who found her remains called the sheriff's office. He was doing more excavating and found the left shoe of Chelsea. The detectives did some more looking around and found the green tights that Chelsea wore. In the same vicinity? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like a year and a half after this point, and they're still looking for her killer a year and a half later. Holy shit. Sheesh. Then in June 2016, some video camera photos were released of a white male with a mustache from the Halloween party. He had showed up at 3 a.m. at a residence on War Road, about a quarter mile down the road from where her shoe was found. So this guy shows up, and he's pounding on some random guy's door. He says he's coming from a party and is looking for a place to stay. The homeowner said he couldn't stay there, but <laughs> nonetheless, the man just slept on his porch. What? Anyways, yeah. And the next morning, the homeowner found a vest, and inside it was a pocket knife and rope. This guy shows back up at the house and wants his vest back, takes it, and leaves. Oh, wow. That's some fucking balls right there. That is super ballsy. Holy shit. Wow. Okay, so this guy showed up in videos at the party, 
and they identified him as a suspect because he also heavily resembled the police sketch. So we could also see this from another side, like a hipster just saying like, hey, man, can I get my vest back? <laughs> There's some important stuff in there. Except for the guy in the in the sketch didn't have a mustache. Right. Maybe it grew in at this point. Who knows? <laughs> Who fucking knows? So they wanted to know. So they called this guy in to take a polygraph. That same day, the sheriff's evidence tech got an email saying that they had something that the detectives would want to see. But the detectives were focused on this guy with the mustache. They were like, we're going to interview him. We got to question this new guy. And the evidence tech was like, no, you got to see this now. Because it turns out they got a match to the unknown DNA on Chelsea's costume. Oh, fucking finally. It wasn't the guy in the party video that they were just about to interview. He was fine. It wasn't the fake hero, Harlan. It wasn't Eric who found the costume. And it wasn't Big Mike. It wasn't any person of interest on their list. Yeah, this guy, his name was Daniel Clay. He was just some fucking rando in the whole investigation. How did they get his DNA? So back in May 2016, this guy stole a backpack off of someone that had tattoo equipment in it. Which doesn't sound very significant, but it landed him a felony. The thing is, the law in Michigan had recently changed. Under the old law, only DNA from convicted felons was entered into the national database CODIS. But this new law included anyone arrested for a felony. All right. It had just changed conveniently. Oh, my God. Which is a big fucking deal. Like, this is a huge deal. They were able to find this guy and solve the case because it would have been completely unsolvable if that law had just never been, you know, a thing. Or he would have to do something worse, like he gets convicted of something else down the line, which is a gamble. That's a huge gamble. So they weren't even suspecting him. They weren't even questioning him. He would have gotten away with it. I have... The I have goosebumps right now. This is crazy. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. This guy was hard for the police to find. He was unemployed, had multiple baby mamas. He was a fucking winner. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> he was a fucking winner, let me tell you. He had multiple baby mamas. He was unemployed, like basically homeless, couch like crash couching all the time, hopping from trailer to trailer. <laughs> Cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but what they did find was that he had warrants out for his arrest for failure to pay child support. Super winner. Super mm. winner right there. Yeah. So when they found out where he was, the police set up surveillance and made a plan. They're going to arrest him for the warrant charges without telling him that he was a murder suspect. So they were like, you are arrested for not paying your child support bitch, but you're actually going in for something completely else. <laughs> so they're scoping out his house and see a man come outside smoking a cigarette, and they confirm it's him. They're like, yeah, it's that bitch right there. And after a while, the police come up to the door and are pounding on it for like an hour. For like an hour. Wow. And eventually Daniel comes running out the back door and attempts to flee the scene, but there were already several officers waiting out there for him in the back. They said... We got you. We got you this time. And they took him into custody. And when one of the detectives spoke with Daniel Clay, he initially denied that he ever seen Chelsea or spoke with her. And this guy, let me just tell you, if, like, all that stuff wasn't gross already, this guy is just fucking gross in general. He bragged that he didn't know her but knew a lot of women and was a real ladies' man. Of course. Who had two children with two different women and a third on the way. He said he liked to live like it was the 70s. Free love and peace without any fighting or violence, man. He just likes smoking weed and having sex. <laughs> Real fucking loser. Like, <laughs> oh my God. During interrogation, they learned Daniel also attended the party and tried to get Daniel to admit that he had sex with Chelsea. He kept denying, and they kept prying, and then he had admitted to hooking up with someone at the party, but he didn't know who. Uh, then his story kept changing. He said he believed it could have been Chelsea, but wasn't 100% sure. Daniel probably figured they got the DNA off of his cost 
off of her costume, so he changed his story once again and claimed it was all consensual. He said that they did have sex, but it was fine, and she walked away afterwards. So basically, this indicated to detectives that he had been caught lying previously. So now he had to try and cover up that story with a new story. So everything else was when they were just like introducing something else that was new. And they were like, oh, well, this actually happened. And he's like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like kind of like rolling with whatever punches the detectives were throwing at him. Mm, Changing his story. As he's trying to cover up all of his stories and all of his mistakes and stupid-ass lies, the detective comes up with something fucking amazing. And they were basically mirroring him. And they were saying, we don't think you're the murderer, but even if this was an accident, now is the time to tell us it could have been an accident. It could have, you know, just happened. Accidents happen. And then so eventually... Daniel denied killing her, but admitted to having sex with her. So they got him to admit that okay. at this point in time. Uh-huh. And that is when the brilliance fucking happens. Right here and now, one of the detectives, he wanted to, like, pry super far to get him in the talk. So he said, it's okay if it was an accident. You could tell us. The only people that know are me, my other detective here, and Chelsea's mother. She had brittle bone disease. Huh. Okay, so if something happened, like, her bones are very brittle and, like, accidents can happen. Like, if you accidentally killed her, like, brittle bone disease, man. (laughs) (laughs) What a lie. Oh, this is good. That is when Daniel kind of sat back and was like, oh, yeah, I heard about that disease before. And said, like, yeah, there's, like, a time I, like, almost broke my arm because, ah, that brittle bone disease. Yeah, so he fell for the obvious bait and immediately changed his story yet again to say, yeah, he accidentally killed Chelsea while having consensual sex with her. He told police that Chelsea liked it rough and that she begged him to choke her during sex, but he accidentally squeezed a bit too hard. So, hmm, that makes sense. Maybe it was the brittle bone disease. <laughs> no, bitch, that's called osteoporosis. There's oh no God. such thing. <laughs> it's like, but, like, how Ooh, brilliant wow. for, like, They're these just, like, getting it out of him. Yeah, so here's my show.com. <laughs> so he was arrested, and during the trial, Daniel pled not guilty and claimed it was accidental. Because, like, you know, I feel like the the detectives, they just kind of planted that seed in his brain. We don't know if anything's wrong with him. We don't know the full side of the story. We just know based on all the evidence that they presented in this case and at the trial that he was just a liar. But what's really scary is he came off as like genuinely like sincere and like, I don't know, he just mm. came, gave off some like, like that weird... awful charismatic kind of personality yeah. that tends to run in some really... Um... Sociopaths? Yeah, in sociopaths. Sociopaths, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a psychologist or anything to confirm that in the case, unfortunately. But we do have some, like, stellar evidence. All right. Okay. So he claimed it was an accident. He said he choked her for 20 to 30 seconds. Consensually. (laughs) Consensually. (laughs) No. No, no, no. Even consensual choking doesn't last that long. It lasts, like, god damn. Okay. Okay, so... Then she stopped breathing, and he tried CPR but couldn't revive her. He told the detectives he freaked out, but he didn't call the police. (laughs) Right? Okay, so he just started driving around for, like, 30 to 45 minutes. And he said that he drove over to some train tracks about 10 miles away from the party's location and then carried the body from the vehicle into a wooded area until he became tired and hid it under some tree branches, like... Okay, I'm sorry. What are you looking for? Are you looking for the <laughs> hospital? Wow. Are you looking just, for a place to bring her. this person that you just murdered? Like, it was you're an in the accident. Wrong place. I'm just like, gonna, like, lay her down right here. Like, everything's fine. It's sh- fine. It's gonna be okay. Oh, like, are, are you fucking kidding me, dude? <laughs> are you no. fucking kidding me? No. So he just, he was just tired. So he hit it under some, like, branches and some logs. And then he moved the body further into the woods before leaving it hidden under some more tree branches. 
The medical examiner said that there was not enough left of Chelsea to determine whether or not she was asphyxiated because of the advanced state of decomposition that her body was in. However, it was determined that she was severely beaten. While Daniel Clay was maintaining that strangulation only occurred for 20 to 30 seconds, the medical examiner came back with a pretty fucking awesome, and quote. It is not a 10 or 20 or 30 to second process. With constant pressure placed on the neck, a person will lose consciousness after 20 to 30 seconds. After that, constant pressure has to be maintained on the neck of an unconscious person for an additional two to two and a half minutes before that victim is dead. Yeah. Yeah. So 20 to 30 seconds. So he's lying again. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that came up in the trial, like another lie that they caught him in, was that Daniel claimed that Chelsea removed the costume herself willingly. However, the costume was found torn from the straps and the crotch, which would have required much more force than Chelsea would have been able to exert to remove the garment. A state crime lab fabric expert, which is so fucking cool. Could you imagine that job title? Like, I examine fabrics. Yeah. So she came in and said the same thing. The leotard was torn or cut or torn with a blunt object. And the prosecutor in this case argued that Chelsea never would have torn off her costume for any reason because, after all, it took her months to create that. Uh, yeah. I still have my Poison Ivy costume. Yeah. Like, when you create something like that, like, even if you're never going to wear that again. No. Like, you just don't, like. It's like your own. It goes in your own art museum. Yeah. It's your creation. It's your baby. It's your treasure. Yeah. Yeah. The jury was also shown. The inside of the leotard, which had a significant amount of blood stains. So they just turned it inside out and they just showed them, like, look at this, which was horrible that the jury had to witness that. But this proved that she received an injury much more severe than choking. She was beaten. So this is fucked, this next part. The defense was trying to prove that maybe it was consensual. So they were trying to lay out all of Chelsea's sexual history. While her family is there, too. Ooh, that sucks. But thankfully, the judge just, like, the judge just shut that down. He said... Thank God. Yeah. He was just like, no, we're not not going down that path. Like, listen, we have already, like, showed you the evidence that this is fucked. You can all just stop right now. Just stop that. Just stop. No, no, no. So, basically, we're going to sum up this shit show with a quote from a court document to bring this all together. After a six-day trial, a jury of 11 women and one man convicted Clay of first-degree murder under the felony murder theory and count two. In finding the defendant guilty, the jury relied facts and reasonable inferences that Chelsea Bruck was a 22-year-old woman who was vulnerable, alone in the middle of the night with no phone, that she suffered massive blunt force trauma to her face, that she was wearing her costume when she was beaten and bloodied, that after she was beaten, both straps and the crotch of her handmade costume were severed and then her costume was forcefully removed from her body, that her tights were found inside out near her body, that her naked body was concealed in the woods, that the defendant's narrative was incredible and unsupported by any physical, documentary, or testimonial evidence, and that in relation to Chelsea Brock's death, defendant described himself, he even described himself, as, quote, a fucking monster, unquote, <laughs> well, to all of that. He had that right. What so, a fucking monster. Yeah. A few other things to add on to this case before we wrap it up. He confessed to his baby mama on the day that he was arrested, who was also a co-worker of Chelsea. Huh. Like, so she worked with Chelsea. Oh. At Olga's. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, he confessed to her. And since she was at work, she couldn't pick up the phone. So he left a voicemail. That he was extremely sorry that he fucked up big time and he was going to be gone for a really long time. And also, Chelsea's mom, in a victim statement, basically said that she forgives him because if she doesn't and tries to forget, it's like Chelsea's life didn't matter. So to move on with her life, she had to find the strength to forgive Daniel and ultimately handed him a Bible and said, I'm leaving you with a Bible. Jesus came to heal our mess of a life, and I hope you will let him in to help heal your mess, unquote, from her mother. Yes. 
What's her name? Leanda. Leanda, you are a saint. She said, here, bitch, you're going to need this. <laughs> you were going away for a long time. You got a long time. Have to a re- Bible. Clean up your shit show of a life. Yes. But wow, what a case. Dude, yeah. That took so long for them to a find A year anything. and a half for them to wrap that up. Holy cow. Yeah. And it was... Oh, like, and it ended just like... I... It was honestly bullshit, like just like watching the trial kind of unfold and how he was just so like smooth and saying like, oh, yeah, it was an accident. And they were trying to also claim that uh, the logs that were placed on her were like the causes of like the, you know, the blunt force trauma. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's what they mm -hmm. were trying to claim there. And yeah. No, I don't think so. The jury, everybody else. No, no. <laughs> Everyone just shut that down real quick, and they said, "Listen." I'm so like, glad that he did that. That yeah, he didn't let that like, whole that's thing. That's disgusting. Like oh I can't God. imagine if they just sat there and listened to that history. That is unnecessary and not going to prove anything in a case. No, Mm-mm. I don't think so. Like how disgusting! Like are they to just try to? Because like they were just at that point in the case, they were like, "Oh yeah, like he's guilty of murder, but maybe it was consensual and it was an accident." Was what they were trying to prove. Yeah. So, no. no, no, no. Yeah. What did he get sentenced to? Life in prison. Yes. And he looked nothing like the sketch. He just looked like a fucking loser. Mm, this dude. Life in prison. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Don't and, ever come out. And we just want to say thank you all for listening. We hope you have a wonderful, spooky, and safe Halloween. Um, if you go to a rager, you know... Just tuck your phone in your boobs. Be safe. <laughs> Don't leave your friends. Hold hands with your friends. Hold hands. <laughs> Always. Yep. Have, have a plan. Be super cute about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, and at least at this point, like in COVID times, I don't think there's going to be a thousand party barn party happening these days. That's very true. I, that is like, there are some good things that have come from our predicament post-COVID. Yeah, but you know, there are going to be some people that try to, I think there is actually one in Michigan that I heard about. It was last year that there is like a rave that they were trying to throw somewhere. Ooh, I yeah. guess. And it was that's... like, like straight in the heart of COVID. Someone was just like, fuck this. And they tried throwing a rave and like a bunch of people went there and they all got COVID. Oh, that's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> like literally Don't like when that. we were all like not even supposed to be hanging out with friends. Like right. we were supposed to be like Pre-vaccination. Just Pre-vaccination. Like, like we were, quarant- those were some dark times, friends. They were. But, they certainly were. But now were. we can enjoy Halloween. We can. So everyone enjoy it. Enjoy Halloween. Be Have safe. Have so much fun. Feel free to tag us like in any of your in your halloween party pictures do it please do we would love that we would love to see all of our wonderful listeners in costume and just being super spooky about it we'll also do something same things too like on our story and feed we'll try to get some pictures for you as well yes so enjoy that yes uh thank you and yeah oh and you can find us on instagram and facebook yeah, your spooky neighbors. Yeah, you Keep can it neighborly. send us a Gmail at your spooky neighbors at gmail.com. Yes. Like and share, and you know what? Come back next week. Crack a cold one with your spooky neighbors. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>